mountaintop Burning like a silver flame The summit of beauty and love Andrea is her name She's got us Yeah baby, she's got us I am Andrea I'm your fire with your desire Welcome, radiant beings. I am Andrea Land, your grooving goddess. That was my little cute intro that I recorded. Uh, right off the bat, you'll get to find out that yes, I too am human and have um, my own insecurities and frailties and weaknesses that I manage. And I know they're all there, chosen by me to help me grow and help me understand and have humility and be humble in what it is to be human and incarnated on this earth. I am a card reader, intuitive. Uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, well, I chose it, but fortunate nonetheless that I was born into a family of a long line of um, what I consider healers, but at different times people called them witches and um, you know I came in and I remembered who I was I I didn't I never lost anything uh, there were periods in my life where I forgot it for a while because I was too busy doing the process of becoming an adult and working and finding all of the uh, 3d experiences that I needed to develop into who I am now but in reality I'm a 51 year old woman on earth I'm a 61,000 year old incarnate on earth over many ages and lifetimes and I was born in the constellation Lyra in some sort of process I don't exactly understand yet from the planet Vega and I am a muse before I was a soul I was light just light and able to blip in and out and assume any form to come and inspire others to create and give love and joy where it was needed in the universe so at this time I chose to spend the last 60,000 years or so in our earth time helping this planet prepare and grow and become ascended to a 5D and higher reality. We need to uh, raise our vibrational frequencies to heal Gaia, the earth, and heal ourselves as well and be able to live without duality and what I mean by no duality is that uh, we understand that we're an individual a complete whole unto ourself individual but also that we're connected to every other individual on the planet and that in a very cosmic way every other person also is us 
So that's what I'm here to do, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and some of the experiences I've had. As we go along, I will probably do um, maybe mini-sodes throughout the week of card readings. I do have a site on IG, um, at Grooving Goddess. I'm very musical. That's why I chose that name. I'm, I guess I'm a musical muse, and... I uh, read cards on there and post readings, but I think it will be much more enjoyable to present it with audio. I'll be having guests on who are various light workers and healers and beautiful people also ascending. And those of us who have been doing this work for a long time or took on uh, some heavy burdens, to be frank, so that we could be ready at this time when the earth most needs it, and it's a, a critical point for us to help everyone else that wants to, to raise their vibration so that we can keep this beautiful gift of Gaia that we've all created together, whether we know it or not. So thank you for being here, and I will be excited to tell you of some of the crazy experiences I've had, not because I think I have all the answers, not because I think I am better at this than anyone else, or I'm some sort of guru, but because I want everyone else out there who has had uh, these experiences themselves to know they're not crazy and also be open to the possibility that maybe there is much more that you can be doing. So I'm going to take a little break and I'll be right back. Welcome back. It's hard to know when you've uh, lived half a century in the, your current life and let me tell you it's been quite the adventure um, I did a lot in one lifetime so far and then there's all the other lives before that it's hard to know where to start when talking about who one is um, so I thought it might be fun to uh, explain to you where I kind of came to the inkling as a child that I might be a muse even though I couldn't find anything anywhere and to date I still really can't find much online about uh, muses that are incarnated um, but I'll tell you how I came to that realization when I was about 10 years old and uh, then we'll talk about muses and a little bit of the lore and what part of it I know is a little different and what part of it I am still seeking. So um, before I continue, I just wanted to mention I had to take a break because talking about what I was already talking about was making me cold and have shivers and chills and not necessarily in a bad way but in a bit of an overwhelming way it is brave and I'm not calling myself brave I'm just saying it is brave and courageous to put yourself out here uh, with any alternative spirituality no matter what it is um, we have 
generations of oppression of that and literal, you know, persecution and burning at the stake and such. Um, even if you don't believe in past lives, there is a scientific uh, principle being examined right now called epigenetics, which is that uh, the traumatic experiences of your ancestors, that kind of comes down through your DNA too. And that's why we tend to have similar personalities and maybe, um, similar difficulties with physical or mental health and some of those things that that's the part of heredity that we haven't really understood yet is that it's not like you have, you know, an anxiety gene per se, but that we somehow inherit those experiences. So at any rate, um, it's taken me a long time to break the conditioning to be quiet. And I'm sure that was all part of the plan. And now is when I meant to do it. But I do want to thank and acknowledge the people that uh, put themselves out there as um having different beliefs and just being open-minded and being seekers because they're the ones who have inspired me and prepared me to be brave enough to do it myself. Uh, some of the uh, celebrities who also have podcasts that talk about various metaphysical and paranormal things. Ryan Singer from Me and Paranormal You, he started his podcast kind of going uh, well, I've had some experiences. It makes me open-minded, but I really don't think I know that much. And over the years, he has talked to so many different kinds of lightworkers and seekers and ufologists and uh, cryptozoologists and really mind-opening, enlightening kind of um, paranormal talk. And he's also <laughs> a very spiritual being himself. And then uh, there's Jessa Reed and her Soberish podcast, which is a funny story that I'll let you discover if you go listen to it. But uh, hint, it's not really about addiction. <laughs> it's uh, more about ascension. And um, also just kind of dealing with this process that Earth is going through because um, ascension can also look a little bit like an apocalypse. Um, all apocalypse really means is an ending and a beginning. It doesn't mean, uh, it just means a change. So it doesn't really mean the quote unquote end of the world that has been drilled into our head through various measures over the last few centuries. Um, so then there's also Karen Rontowski, very funny uh, comic. Uh, these are all comics, honestly. Oh my God. Now I have to say they're all funny because I'm going to be, uh, insecure about the fact that any of them would have the time to listen to this first of all, um, and be offended that I didn't immediately call them funny. Second of all, so all of these people are hilariously funny and, uh, and then last, but definitely, definitely not least, there is Hazel Hallate with uh, Cosmic Angel 555 on the web, on most social media, on YouTube. Uh, she, I can't just call her any one thing. She's basically a galactic goddess and can read cards, do Reiki, uh, soul retrieval, Akashic reading. Um, so her, her podcast, honestly, was 
the one that kind of, um, as I told her, uh, gave me the Dumbo feather. Um, if you haven't seen the animated Disney movie Dumbo, um, there's a flying elephant who is afraid and doesn't believe he can fly. And so his little friend, the mouse, gives him a feather and tells him it's a magic feather. And so uh, he believes that it's magic and he flies. Um, so much in there to unpack if we were to analyze Disney films, but that's not really my angle here. <laughs> but um, Hazel Halite uh, kind of laid out for me through what she's done with her wonderful podcast, um, a path for me to find my way to doing this. I first started a socio-political podcast right after George Floyd was murdered um, here in America, and uh, that led me to this one. And so I'm very excited to be talking to you all about this. So how did this woman, <laughs> born on earth, in unusual but not unusual circumstances, decide that she was a muse? Uh, when I came in to the world, I never forgot anything. And so when I started having out-of-body experiences as a small child, I realized that um, there, there was more obviously. And it, it all felt natural to me. Like none of it felt like, wow, this is earth shattering. It was just like, I never forgot how to do this. And now I'm doing it. It felt natural. And it wasn't until my grandmother realized what I was doing. And I started describing it to her that she was like trying to help ground me and keep me safe because she didn't want me to just fly off or let anything unpleasant in while I was traveling, which, um, in some ways was wise, but in other ways it limited me and kind of bound me from developing faster, uh, than I could have probably. But then fast forward to, uh, 10 years old, I met, um, one of my soul sisters, uh, she may even be amused too. I haven't quite decided, um, about that yet. And I'm not sure she has either, but when we met, uh, in school, it was like the first time either of us had met someone that felt like we were actually, uh, related to them in any way. Um, I, I always had the feeling other than my immediate family that I didn't belong here. I didn't no nobody else felt like me. I felt separate from everyone and not in a superior way, in a very lonely, isolated, confused way. I didn't understand <laughs> earthlings for lack of a better term. Um, I ran away from kindergarten once because they played mean games and, um, in my words were immature <laughs> as I told my, um, freaked out family because the kindergarten called them and said, we lost your child. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was, I always felt a little other. And then when I met my best friend, um, that I'm still friends with today, she and I talked about 
where we were really from and how we could hear all the people in the houses talking when we would uh, walk by on the street and we would practice ESP and Reiki and um, sing light language and do things like go in the park and lay under a tree and talk to the tree and um, ask the wind to blow and you know we were just wild fascinating little girls and we uh we you know felt the presence of ghosts and spirits and and um we got to have that connection with each other and know that we weren't crazy and we were pretty sure that we came from some place else that wasn't here then um during that budding friendship that we had uh, the movie Xanadu came out in 1980 and that movie is about a muse who um, comes to earth and it's Olivia Newton-John musical goddess herself uh, and quite an inspiration to me honestly um, she came to earth to inspire an artist and uh, in that movie she uh, also shows how she would blip into all these other time periods and the other times that she had inspired uh, other artists and um, dancers, all kinds of people. And then, um, then she would have to go back to her star world in the rainbows and um, wait until the next person needed her. So that unlocked a whole lot for me and I started having uh, past life memories and part of what made me <clears throat> my family had always talked about reincarnation so the idea that I'd been somebody else before was not unusual to me or foreign um, but when I started having memories of past lives the thing was is that they they were all, not all of them, but I mean, some of them would overlap as in, okay, well, if I was alive then, then it's impossible that I was alive as this other person then. And that's when I started to kind of have the thought that time isn't what we think it is. Um, earth isn't what we think it is. And that maybe I was different than some of the other people who incarnated <laughs> it sounds funny to say incarnated in the more uh, common way <laughs> because to a lot of people all of this sounds wackadoodle but I know anybody who's listening here uh, probably doesn't feel that way or else you wouldn't be here so um, I knew that there was something different and then uh, just over the course of my life um, the muse thing has become more clear through all of the experiences that I've had. Um, I wanted to tell you a little bit about muse mythology and uh, what I feel about it that is different. Um, you know, kind of like the Bible or pretty much any book that was written before women could um, own property and vote. <laughs> or even attempt to write a book uh, we were kind of erased from a lot of the uh, 
um, religious and philosophical texts and they were uh, you know doing that because it was coming through the filter of their time where women were um, what's the word I'm looking for because we were never less than but we were definitely um, in a patriarchy and um, there were reasons for that as part of the development of this planet and getting to this stage where we can try to have non-duality and oneness and a balance between the feminine and the masculine but and I don't mean men and women it's more about energy uh, a woman can have more masculine energy a man can have more feminine energy um, it's just energy and different energy and one isn't better than another but without balance they don't work as well together and somebody always seems to lose in the energy exchange equation when there is no balance so uh, there's a lot of um, feminine energy that was left out of mythology and uh, religious text because they were interpreting it from a position of uh, we are the ones writing this and we are superior over the quote-unquote weaker sex so this is how we're going to interpret it so in Greek mythology uh, the nine muses who were created to give inspiration knowledge artistry and music to the ancient world each of the nine Greek muses are listed below Calliope, the muse of poetry, Cleo, the muse of history, Erato, the muse of lyric poetry, Euterpe, the muse of music, Mel Melpomene, some of these names I'm probably butchering, just saying that right now, I did not rehearse this, the muse of tragedy, oh my goodness, I didn't even know there was a muse of tragedy, that says a lot about parts of me, I'll tell ya. Uh, Polyhymnia, uh, Muse of Sacred Poetry, Terpsichore, or Terpsichore, the Muse of Dance and Chorus, Talia, the Muse of Comedy and Idyllic Poetry, Urania, the Muse of Astronomy. The Muses were nine beautiful young women who were the goddesses and embodiments of science, literature, and the arts. In ancient culture, they were the source of orally related knowledge of poetic lyrics and myths, and were considered to be the personification of knowledge and of the arts, especially dance, literature, and music. The Muses were believed to live on Mount Olympus, where they entertained the Olympian gods with their artistry, but later tradition placed them on Mount Helicon or Mount Parnassus. The Muses were the nine daughters of Zeus, the king of the gods, and the Titaness, uh, oh man, this name, it's either Nemesin or Memesin, <laughs> the goddess of memory, <laughs> so maybe it is Memesin. They were convinced after the two slept together for nine consecutive nights, they were really hot for each other, I guess. <laughs> Sometimes the muses are referred to as water nymphs, having been born from the four sacred springs on Helicon that flowed from the ground after Pegasus, the winged horse, stomped his hooves there. Wow, that's a deep myth right there. 
maybe I'll go into that in one episode all by itself at some point. <laughs> um, it wasn't until the Renaissance and neoclassical arts movements began that the rep representation of the muses was standardized. So think about what that means. That means that up until the Renaissance, muses were uh, malleable in the consciousness of the people who, you know, believed in that mythology. Um, they were represented in sculptures and paintings holding certain props known as emblems and were mentioned in literature, poetry, and song. Um, around the 18th century, there were cults of muses revived, and um, there's even a tenth muse, which is Sappho, uh, the Greek poet um, from the island of Lesbos, and she wrote an epic uh, love poem about Aphrodite. Um, so that's what, you know, our earth version of muses has come up with in the ages old patriarchy, uh, historical records. So for me, um, I don't, I think, you know, I think the myths are like anything. They're, they're an allegory. They're a way that, um, the stage of development that men were at at the time allowed them to describe uh, these gods and goddesses that they uh, experienced at the time. And it's quite possible that most of the gods and goddesses that they were seeing uh, were part of the Galactic Federation, which we'll have to go into on a whole other episode. But I... I know like I know like I know that before I was ever a soul, which I had to assume to be able to come to earth and do what I've been doing for the last 60,000 years, which to me, uh, as my light self probably feels like the blink of an eye, um, or, you know, a day at the office in our terms here, but I, I wasn't a, you know, a soul even. I was just light. So there's so much to unpack and to understand about galactic heritage and the universe and our purpose here, our soul purpose as earth beings incarnate. And most of you who are here, I would uh, bet a million dollars if I had it yet that you are all light beings in some way yourselves. You are ascending, you are raising your vibration, you are being called to do something different than what you've been doing, whether it's meditating every day or reading cards or doing yoga. Um, I'm really excited. I have a yoga witch that's going to come on. Um, she posts these beautiful nude yoga photos on Instagram. Um, and then I have my first interview in a little bit here with Bernadette Rodebaugh, who is an amazing miracleologist, and she'll tell you all about her new book, uh, Believe It to Receive It, Awakening the Miracles Waiting for You. Um, it is, I think I might have said that wrong, but I'll get it right in the interview. And 
you um, are here because you you want insight and you feel that calling to be something more than you've been up to now. Um, my personal story, you know, those times when I kind of forgot who I was for a little while because I was immersed in 3D life and uh, living the earth existence, I was very, uh, you know, there were times when my personal thoughts were not aligned with who I am. There were times when I had very negative thought patterns, um, you know, ingrained since childhood. We all have them. And this isn't to blame our parents or anyone, really. It's just this is how the, the matrix, this world, the simulation, this game, whatever you want to call it, this is how we have created it and it was for a purpose that we are now outgrowing I see a lot of the conflict in the world as like a a toddlerhood of the death of duality and birth of non-duality you may hear a cat meowing now because he's hungry and wants his breakfast and my son has not fed him so <laughs> uh We'll take a little break so I can handle that and then I'll be back to wrap us up here because I could just go on forever honestly about this stuff and I know it'll be much more exciting when I'm reading cards and giving you insight instead of talking about myself and uh, inviting and interviewing my wonderful guests. So be right back. <music> One of the phenomena that a lot of us who are kind of living at a thermostat vibrationally set point, um, I kind of think of it like a thermostat, you know, like we all get drawn down into 3D sometimes out of necessity or out of uh, a stressful moment or physical weakness, emotional um, pain, something that might come up. But uh, most of us kind of live at a set point where we, you know, if we've gotten to the place where our vibration has elevated enough that we're kind of living in the 5D or 6D most of the time, um, you know, we are just there. And one of the 5D phenomena is that as we're talking, I've noticed this with a lot of light workers and spiritual people metaphysical there is a kind of pause here and there like a strange pattern of words and how you're speaking and part of that is when we're doing this um, more spiritual content things that are meant to assist and ascend most of us are also channeling or listening to source at the same time it's coming through us more than uh, just being of us, you know, our earth incarnation self. And so it may sound a little uh, herky jerky or like we don't know what we're going to say or like, uh, where did they go? So please pardon that when it occurs. Um, I try to not say um and uh as much as possible. I'm a voice coach uh, and I've spent a lot of time being interviewed and I really try to not do the things that once annoyed me when other people did them, which is probably why I'm doing them now so that I learn that lesson. 
I drew a card earlier before I started this podcast and I will be uh, attaching pictures of the cards that I read or use on the episodes with the episode when I release it on Instagram. So those photos will be there for you to go look at. But what I drew is Hera and I just love Hera. I use goddess knowledge cards. I will probably be getting new cards and definitely uh, my friend's Bernadette's new oracle cards that she's going to be releasing but um, these cards have been with me a long time I've read all kinds of cards tarot the usual animal spirit but the goddess knowledge cards really speak to me and that's probably because of my um, muse ancestry I guess that's what I'm most connected to and meant to do plus we are at a time where the divine feminine has been rising and now the divine masculine is being ushered in um, by the death of the toxic masculine and this isn't to uh, condemn men at all because guess what ladies we've all been part of toxic masculinity as well and have embodied that too so Hera has this beautiful cloak of peacock feathers that she is usually represented with. Hera is an ancient goddess who, before she appeared as wife to Zeus in Greek mythology, <laughs> maybe she's my mommy, kind of. Like, I guess she would be my stepmom, right? <laughs> because uh, Memnonimini, which, oh, good Lord, I'm never going to be able to say that name. Uh, she was the actual mother, supposedly. Uh, was a powerful matrilineal queen in her own right. Hera is the original all-powerful multifunctional goddess responsible for every aspect of existence, a symbol of the complete woman. Among the Greeks, Hera was the goddess of marriage, a special goddess of women who accompanies each woman through every moment of her life. Her various titles point to her roles as bringer of fertility, goddess of marriage, protector of children, of women, during childbirth and of money, and presider over all aspects of public life. She was often represented with a peacock, symbol of beauty, luxury, and immortality. The spots on its feathers reflect the starry firmament. And the peacock has knowledge of the weather, reflecting the ancient role of the goddess of bringer of the seasons. Hera is a mature, powerful goddess, combining both practicality and nurturing, a strong image of the supremacy and the queen within. Uh, this card is representing me and where I'm at today with um, presenting this to all of you who come to listen. And it also represents the change that the world is going through and our role in it I uh, <laughs> it makes me sound like I'm being so egotistical for sure but uh, the reason I say it signifies me is this my everyone has kind of their own process for reading cards some people use a traditional cross and they read out of the book some people draw a certain number of cards some people ask different questions uh, as they're doing it but I have a particular process and I, I don't really shuffle them I lay them all out of my bed and I put my hands on them and call in energy into my crown and 
really focus on my sacral chakra because that is my personal authority and I mix them all up and then put them back together I cut the cards once and then I fan them out like a uh, poker or blackjack dealer and it never fails that the card that is on the farthest right end is specifically for me it doesn't matter who I'm reading for or what other cards uh, come up for them or for the reading I'm doing that one card is always me and that is what happened today so I thought I would share Hera with you um, I have been getting so much uh, water goddess and moon goddess energy and I'm hoping that we can all together try to bring in that water because there's a lot of places right now where Pele is having fun and expressing her rage with what's been going on through fire and showing us where the earth is sick, where Gaia is sick and needs us to care for her. So if you could, especially you water signs out there, you Pisces, Cancer and Scorpio um, and Virgo, the water bearers, um, if you could focus on water in the places where Pele needs to be reunited with the sea. Um, the legend of Pele is that she got in a fight with uh, her, I think, I can't remember if it's her brother or sister, but anyway, she basically got in a fight with the sea. And that's why she went to seek refuge in the volcano and is the fire goddess. So, um, I've given you a lot so far and I should probably leave it there. I need to go do this other interview and I could just go on forever, but I really want to get to the work of bringing on guests and reading cards for you. But I felt like I had to at least introduce myself to you all and explain why I'm here and why I want to share all this. And I want to hear from you. You can email me at groovinggoddess at gmail.com that's all lowercase just grooving goddess and all of these links and shows and things that I reference will be in the notes uh, I realized that I forgot to say that Karen Rentowski's show is um, paranormal Karen and it bothered me that I forgot that because she is fantastic um, she's a paranormal researcher and has on all kinds of great guests and uh, also very very talented card reader herself so check out all these people and email me your stories email me if you would like a reading email me if you would like to be a guest uh, i am open to all that you want to share with me uh, thank you for being here and i will take you out with the song that always makes my little muse heart sing and if you've never seen the movie xanadu check it out it's fun I know it's kind of dated, especially now, but it's still a beautiful movie and, uh, uh, you know, Olivia Newton-John is a goddess. So have a wonderful day, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, this will find you at exactly the right time. Universal love to all of you. fooled you. Thought I was really going to stop talking about Xanadu for a second. Well, I'm not. I uh, went and recorded that song 
to end out with and then I started listening to the lyrics when I played it back to see if it sounded at all halfway decent and oh my goodness um the lyrics it's it's like over and over I keep seeing these examples of all the clues we've been given all along the path as a world and me as an individual so I just wanted to come back and uh, talk for a minute about what Xanadu is um, Samuel Taylor Coolidge wrote a poem uh, in the 1800s that talked about um, in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree and this is based on his readings of Kublai Khan's uh, paradise he talked about Xanadu so that's kind of where some of the folklore of Xanadu came from but in the song the the few lyrics I just wanted to mention a place where nobody dared to go the love that we came to know they call it Xanadu and now open your eyes and see what we have made is real we are in Xanadu uh, welcome to Xanadu everybody I'll see you here next episode, which I'm actually going to release right after this one, probably tomorrow morning, because the interview with Bernadette Rodebaugh was really magnificent. Uh, and before I go, I'm always, I'm so fact checky of myself, but uh, I forgot to mention to other um, really important uh, podcasts and people, one is um, Kate Wolf. She has the podcast Invasion of Privacy. She's a card reader herself and a non-dualistic uh, healer. I had a reading and healing from her a while back, and it is another one of those uh, markers that told me that I am safe. And then um, the other person is uh, Jesse Amanda, who doesn't have a podcast yet she is in um, Australia I believe her website is magpie songs um, but I will put that in the notes to make sure I get that right but she gave me a Reiki session and part of what came through during that uh, was also very pivotal for me so thank you to all of these amazing people Kate Wolf is a hilarious comic and rapper I must say uh, shout out to her fabulous um, in your face feminist lyrics so enjoy Xanadu on your way out and listen to those lyrics because we're in Xanadu ladies and gents <laughs>